Hello and welcome to another edition of Bear Books Podcast. I'm April Berry. And I'm Daisy Ray. So, we've got flash fiction today. We have got flash fiction. I love the flash fiction episodes. We get some amazing stories in from our listeners. So, massive thank you to everyone that participates every single time. I don't think we've ever had a writing prompt since we started doing them way back in season three, where we've not had contributions from our listeners and we are eternally grateful. I must admit, I do love reading some of the stories that we get sent in. The standout story for this one has been written by Sandy Biddles. When I read it, I thought, oh, this is so one of my favourites. It had like nuances of the boy, the mole, the horse and the frog, not the frog, the dog, not the dog. You know that little cartoon? The boy, the mole, the horse and the fox. Is that it? Yeah. Her story sort of reminded me a little bit of that and a little bit of Animal Farm, but without all the politics. So that's the one you're reading for us today. Yes, it is. But it's the film, The Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse. Yes. Yeah. Have you watched it? Yeah, it's lovely. Is it? I've not yeah. watched it. It's a short one. And it's, it's you know, it kind of tells a story about... No, it doesn't, does it? Shut your face, you sarcastic mare. What are you like? There's no need. Most films tell stories, didn't you know that? As do books as well. And flash fiction is stories, so come on, let's get on with yours. So we're going to have a story from myself today, and we're going to have Sandy's story read to you by April. And we're going to start off with my one, which is called, Is Gary a Team Player? Gary was an all-round good guy, happily married to Jonathan, father of two sassy-pants daughters, Nicole and Amanda, and one lazy little fur baby, Ruby. Also, if you looked up team player in the dictionary, you'd probably find a photo of Gary. You couldn't hope to find a more peopley people person if you searched for the rest of your days. He prided himself on his ability to work well with others, to collaborate and to compromise. And so when he joined the MAD, making a difference team at work, he was eager to get to work with his colleagues to improve the work lives of everyone across the business. Robert was the first person on the team to welcome him, and Gary was grateful for his kindness. They quickly bonded over their shared interests in cycling and art, and Gary was thrilled to have made a new friend at work. As the weeks went on, Gary found himself relying as much on Robert's expertise and experience as Robert did on his. They made a great team bouncing ideas off of one another. But then something changed. Gary started noticing that Robert was taking credit for his ideas. He assumed at first that it was just a slip of the tongue and it meant to say we and not I. But by the second and third time it happened, Gary was sure that Robert was just using him as an ideas man. That and the fact that he'd started belittling him in front of the rest of the team. Gary was really hurt. He felt betrayed and used. He tried to confront Robert about it, but Robert brushed him off and told him to stop being so sensitive. The tension between them continued to grow. Gary stopped sharing ideas with Robert and instead took them straight to their manager himself. That stopped Robert stealing his ideas, but it didn't stop Robert belittling him in front of the rest of the team. That escalated from that point when Gary was suddenly no use to Robert any longer. Gary no longer woke up on work days looking forward to being part of a team. 
He woke up with a pit of dread in his stomach. And if he could find an excuse to bunk off sick, he would use it, afraid of what he was walking into when he went to work. Jonathan was worried about his husband and tried to talk it out with him, suggested that Gary make an appointment with his manager or even HR to see if they could address Robert's outrageous behaviour. The problem, as Gary saw it by this point, was that he would look even weaker by complaining than he already looked being constantly publicly undermined. So he didn't say anything and every day was a little bit worse than the day before. Gary stopped smiling, he stopped taking care of himself, stopped believing in himself and his mood went from disappointed to hurt to humiliated and eventually to angry and that's when things took a decidedly bleak turn. Gary could take it no longer, enough was enough. One day after a particularly heated argument where Robert was berating Gary for being the weak pathetic individual he saw him to be while walking up the stairs from the canteen to their office, where there were no witnesses to his behaviour, Gary snapped. In a fit of blind rage, he grabbed the back of Robert's head and with all his frustration and rage, he smashed Robert's face with all his might into the stair rail, killing him instantly. Gary was immediately consumed with guilt and regret. He stared at Robert and couldn't believe what he'd done. He knew that this would ruin his life and his entire family, not to mention the lives of Robert's loved ones. He should turn himself into the authorities immediately. Images of being sat in a cell awaiting trial, being sentenced to life for murder. Gary couldn't help but wonder how things had gone so wrong. His own insecurities had gotten the best of him. He'd let his anger cloud his judgment and now he would pay the price. Gary walked into the men's loose just off the stairwell and stood looking at himself in the mirror. He looked so ordinary. He wasn't a murderer at heart, was he? When he heard the first screams from the stairwell as Robert was discovered by their colleagues, Gary walked out of the gents and was as shocked as everyone else. Oh my God, what a tragic accident. I do worry about your mind at times. Why? And are the people around you actually safe? Mostly. <laughs> yeah, mostly. I don't know any Roberts. I like it. Amazing twist at the end. Thank you. I'd love to know what everybody else thinks of it. So if you have an opinion about this story, good or bad, I don't mind. I don't mind a critique. I'm always happy to improve what I'm doing. Then you can always give us an email at bearbookspod1 at gmail.com or even come find us on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. We're on all of them. There we go, all the social media outlets that there are out there. Yeah, there we are. Right. I did enjoy it. It was really, really good. Um, I, I kind of, I've got no words. Wow. Well, you need to find your words because you are going to be narrating Sandy Biddle's story and it is brilliant. So you've got your work cut out. I am, yes. And this is by Sandy Biddle, entitled Teamwork. Ying and Lee were born to the same dam and one year apart. However, an uninformed observer would not guess they were siblings. Ying was a chestnut, sturdy in build and temperament, nearly a hand taller than her younger sister, 
with chubby rosy cheeks begging to nuzzle and be nuzzled. Lee, more timid, refined and delicate with huge velvet eyes dominating her downy face. Since the bombing had ceased, Shenqing Farm lay starkly abandoned in a no-man's land. The sisters had retreated to the safety and shelter of the nearby 5,000-acre forest, while most of the other animals had remained or scattered. Some eventually would die from inability to, or believe that they could not, feed or fend for themselves. The cataclysm, when it came, had taken everyone by shock and awe. None more so than farmer Teo and his wife Jing, their farm being remote and their lives enclosed within its bounds. Together and at length they studied the mushroom-shaped clouds and the rainbow-hued auras on all visible horizons. The time has come, Jing, my dear. Let's go to the mountains to be close to the spirits. Teo, trembling inwardly, saddled and bridled the two strongest cobs. After opening all doors to stables and pens, leaving the inhabitants to their fate, husband and wife set off on their long journey in stoic silence. Now the young fillies were free of confinement, together but alone in the forest. Ying the elder felt an acute sense of exhilaration tempered with responsibility towards her sister. There was abundant food in the forest and streams fed by springs from the mountains in the distance. Their verdant surroundings seemed to welcome and embrace them. But particularly noticeable was the silence and stillness. No bird song, no rustling of leaves or creaking of branches. To begin with, Lee in particular missed the company of others and the regular routine and heartbeat of the farm. As days passed and nights were spent bedded down in the shelter of the thickets, the sisters were joined by three of the hens, the pig Kai and the old goat She. There were plenty of resources to go round and any old rivalries had been left behind on the farm. All spring and summer the survivors remained deep in the forest for fear of what might be beyond. Despite their peaceful existence and newfound freedom, a fog of unspoken uncertainty and fear of the unknown clung to their hearts. As the weather became colder and wetter and many of the trees lost their leaves, the animals stayed in the thickets and under shelter, creating warmth and comfort from each other in nature's blankets. They would venture out only in necessity until an early spring morning revealed weak sunlight filtering through the canopy, accompanied by a light breeze and the chattering call of a jay, followed by a reply. Kai grunted in his nest of twigs and straw. She opened her eyes, pricked her ears and listened. Ying raised her head from Lee's warm withers, stretching her hind legs and stood up, careful not to trample the hens who were running around in confusion. A team meeting over breakfast ensued to decide what to do. We're happy enough in the forest and have all we need, cried the eldest hen. Why risk our necks in the outside world? But we may have the chance to better ourselves, have our own home, help others to follow our example, intervened Kai. I have heard that the world is full of opportunities for all. If the world has ended, that is foolish and impossible, bleated she. After much debate, the band, in order of size, tallest first, linked up by tails and travelled to the edge of the forest, the jays flitting along behind them, 
flashes of pink, then blue, from tree to tree calling each other with excitement. Have courage, comrades, called Ying in the lead, feeling the weight of expectancy and uncertainty behind her broad shoulders. As they reached the last line of trees, Li gently released Ying's tail and moved to stand alongside her. Flicking their manes to shield their eyes against the brightness, the stark reality of the new world, their resolve wavered. One day, friends, we are not yet ready. We need the ever-practical matriarch. Separately and, for most, with relief, the animals returned to the forest and went about their daily duties, gathering, foraging, tidying, before regrouping for dinner and debriefing the morning's events. And so their lives continued to unfold. As time went on, other animals migrated to the forest from woods and thickets in the province. Zones and encampments became established, each with its own rules and ways of being, some more democratic than others. With good husbandry, it expanded and flourished to supply their needs. Meanwhile, high on the plateau in the mountains, only visible to the piercing eyes of golden eagles and scavenging vultures, lay messages of human hope written in stones. I still love it just as much listening to you read it as I did when I read it myself when she sent it in to us. Yeah, I think both of the stories that we've had this week have been amazing. They've kind of, I don't know, subdued me into silence, I think, which is a first for me. I think we're in trouble, folks. No, it won't last long. I promise, I promise it won't last long. But both of the stories have been really, really good. And it was very unusual of Sandy to choose her main characters as animals rather than people. Yeah. It was lovely. There are just some stories that you can you can picture what in your own imagination what should be going on. And then there's other stories that I've read just recently that I couldn't picture anything. Yeah. I can imagine Sandy's story as an animation. That would really work. I thought it was really well written. It's a very quiet podcast, a very quiet episode, isn't it, for us this week? Yeah, contemplative, maybe. Yeah, but it is our penultimate one of this season. I know, it's flown by this season, don't you think? I've really enjoyed this season, I've got to, I've got to say. The books have been different. The flash fiction has been brilliant. Yeah, I agree. That has been amazing. It's. A sh- I always think it's a little bit sad when we come to the end of the season, but we have one more episode to go, and that episode is another flash fiction, but it's author's choice. So anyone can write anything they want, as long as they keep it under the thousand words, whatever they want to write about, no holds barred. Keep it clean, though, please. Why? Anything they want, no holds barred. Okay. Yeah, we, we lack a certain level of... Um, Morality, yeah. Have you thought about what you're going to write? Actually, no, I haven't. Have you? Have you got anything in mind? Not a thing. Isn't it funny? You know when we've got a prompt, it's like, oh, what can I do with teamwork? And who do I know that works in a team? And and you sit there brainstorming inside your own head. And when there's no prompt, it's like, oh, um, and it's like tumbleweed. Yeah. I'm going to almost probably take something from something that happens at work this week, I should imagine, and, and sort of elaborate on that or 
turn it into something more disastrous. Yeah. Maybe I should give myself a challenge and see if I can write a story about somebody I know without them knowing that it's about them. (laughs) Blimey. Do you think that was a bit risky? Very risky. Okay. Maybe I won't then. No. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe I'll do a straw poll. Maybe I'll put something on one of our socials and just say, you know, if you could write about anything you want, what would you write about? What would you write about? It's mm, a good and idea. And see that. if anyone comes up with something and I'll think, oh, that's it, that's what I can write about. I tend to take a lot of my inspiration from the animals. Not your animals or animals generally? Well, my animals mainly. One in particular. <laughs> Wouldn't be Clive, would it? That would be Clive, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, he just gets up to so much. So I might just I might just observe him for a week and see if he can give me some inspiration. Yeah. It's already been featured in at least two or three of your stories over the time we've been doing the podcast. He has, but I kind of really don't know how to describe him um, to to let listeners understand just exactly how bloody bonkers he really is. It's a product of his environment, April. He started off living with you. Uh, And then he learnt new ways. (laughs) I remember, you know, when he was a teeny tiny kitten and I left him on his own for the first time while I went to work and I came home and it looked like somebody had broken in and trashed my kitchen. (laughs) There was toilet roll all over the floor. There was broken plates. There was a broken plant pot. There was soil on the floor. There was a scattered plant. There was food everywhere. He just ransacked the entire kitchen and trashed the place. It was awful. (laughs) It was tidy. It looked like butter wouldn't melt. Yeah, I think he was about eight weeks old, weren't he, when you got him? Yeah, because we used to go and visit him before he left his mother. Yeah. And he just used to sleep all the time. And I thought, oh, this one's going to be harmless. Just sleeps all the time, the lazy little tyke. <laughs> How wrong was I? He was adorable. He was adorable, yeah. Remember when, he th- remember when he threw himself out of the bathroom window? Just you locked him in. <laughs> yeah, he was off down the road ahead of me. <laughs> I often used to open my door and he'd be sat there. And I'm like, what are you doing here? <laughs> For those that don't know, April and I used to live on the same street a few doors apart. And whenever I used to go down to April's house and didn't take Clive with me, he'd climb out of a window and race down there and be there before I got there. <laughs> the, the best tale about him was I remember when when you, you'd had him about three days and you brought him down, tucked on in your hoodie, going, he won't eat, he won't eat. And we fed him a tin of tuna, and one of my older cats, Alfie, was obviously really, really interested in this tuna. And, and Clive was just this this little slip of a thing, about eight weeks old. And Alfie walked up to try and take some of the tuna off from Clive's plate. And Clive just put this little paw out with his nail needle-like claws and just stuck them in the top of Alfie's head and held out Alfie's head to the floor. While he ate the tuna. <laughs> yeah, while he ate the tuna. <laughs> That's not really changed much, has it? No, it's not changed much at all, really. But He's got the best personality of a cat I've ever known. Oh, he's crackers. Think. He is crackers. So, yeah, so I might come up with something for Clive for the author's choice. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. So it will be our ultimate episode of this season. So get your stories in. 
As Daisy said, it's uh, barebookspod1 at gmail.com for your stories. Anything you want, you can write about absolutely anything as long as it's clean. Clean-ish. Yeah. And if we like more than two stories, because we only normally do two, then we might do an extra one. Let's see how it goes. We'll just wing it with the next episode, with it being the last one. Yeah. Of this season. Can't believe we're going into season seven later in the year. I know we've got to think about what we're going to review. I've got to say that I've actually quite enjoyed reviewing some of the LGBT plus books. Not all of them, though, eh? No, not all of them, but some of them. And it's a genre that is um, increasing in popularity. Yes, yeah. I think we should just mix and match next season. Anything goes kind of thing. Yeah. As long as we like the books and even if they're interesting enough, if we're not that keen, as long as they evoke a good conversation, we're all good. We are. So if you've got any recommendations of anything that you'd like to hear us review, again, get your suggestions in, barebookspod1 at gmail.com. Any authors out there that want to come and talk to us for 20 minutes? Yeah. Oh, news. Mm-hmm. I have been invited back to BBC Radio Derby and I will be doing a literary review on the 24th of May. Oh, right. So that's one to uh, to listen out for. What time? Yeah. It's in the evening. It's about between half past eight and nine o'clock in the evening. But I have been told it's absolutely fine to review indie authors. And as April and I love our indie authors, that's what this whole podcast is about, really. I am going to make sure that at least two out of the three books I'm allowed to talk about are going to be indie authors. Oh, that's wicked. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Keep an ear out for that, folks. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time for the ultimate episode of this season of Bear Books Podcast. Take care of each other. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Bear Books and Bear Books Pod 1 on social media. We'd love it if you could share the podcast with your friends. And thanks so much to everyone that's left us a review. If you're listening today and you haven't given us a review yet, please do. It helps other people discover us and their new favourite indie authors. We'll be back soon with more reviews and more flash fiction. See you next time. Mm-hmm.